It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. to the Rock Shock Talk podcast. This is Andy Mitz. I'm uh, joined by my co-host today, Mike Plank. And as uh, I put out on Twitter today, we are actually joined by a very special guest, Carrington Harrison from uh, 610 Sports. C-Doc, how are you doing tonight? Hey, I'm doing pretty good. I don't know if I would call myself a special guest or whatnot, but I'm happy you guys have me on. Well, you know, you're the, you're the first person to come on the podcast that isn't a writer on the site. So at that point, you're automatically a special guest. So <laughs> Yeah, and I mean, I'm probably the only Missouri fan that will ever be on this podcast, too. So I got, I, I got to hold it down for MIZ. Yeah. Well, that, that, that's, that's not true. We interviewed, uh, we interviewed the coach a, a couple months ago. Andy, you remember that? Yep, yeah. We, I mean, it, it wasn't part of this, this kind of reboot of the podcast. But we have, right. have we uh, interviewed Norm Stewart. Right, so yeah, oh, okay. we're not we're not afraid to talk with Missouri people. <laughs> there's there's definitely okay, not, I mean, not a problem with that at all. Okay, I mean you guys have had Norm Stewart. I can't even get Norm Stewart on my show. So you guys are doing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we got lucky. They they were doing the the ESPN uh, the I'm sorry the SEC Network was doing that uh, uh, SEC story uh, where where they did the movie about Norm Stewart. And so obviously with the rivalry there, they they gave us an opportunity to go ahead and uh, interview him. So that was oh, a great okay. interview there. Um, but here, let's, let's go ahead and jump into kind of the topic at hand. Obviously for those that are in Kansas city and, and, and listen to you guys online as well. Um, they got to hear you live talking about, uh, as you put it, the, the greatest trick that Bill Self ever pulled, um, pertaining to the rivalry there. So let's, let's go ahead and start off though, for, for those that didn't get to hear it or, or kind of, want to hear it directly from you. What is it that you were saying is the greatest trick that Bill Self has ever pulled? I think the greatest trick that Bill Self has ever pulled is telling KU fans that Missouri doesn't matter, is that my argument for pro sports is pro sports rivalries are based in competitiveness. It wasn't that long ago that Seattle and San Francisco was the best rivalry in the NFL. Well, it's not a rivalry anymore because San Francisco is not any good and they're just not at the same level as the Seahawks are. 
anymore. That college rivalries are forever. Like, my kids are going to grow up with a dislike for Kansas. Now, I have to explain it to them. It'll be a lot different because they won't have the memories and the games that I've seen. But college rivalries are a lot different. And you can't tell me that the rivalry between Kansas and K-State matters. It's not the same. It's a Sunflower Showdown. Kansas just disregards K-State. They're little brother. Like, they don't really have the level of respect. And not saying that Kansas has that same level of respect for Missouri because Kansas and Missouri just aren't on the same level of basketball. But Kansas hates Missouri the same way that Missouri hates Kansas. And I think what normally frustrates me about the rivalry is the rivalry is just dictated now by one person. Like We've allowed Bill Self to control hundreds of years of dislike and disdain for the other side. And my argument was that if Bill Self just sent out one tweet we beat Missouri's ass every single time. We don't care who they have on their team. We're going to continue to dominate Missouri regardless of, of what conference they're in. That'd be the most retweeted thing in the history of Kansas City, and all Kansas fans would be on board. That Bill Self has this like cult leader-like gra- gravitational pull over all Kansas fans that now have every Kansas fan thinking that, that, that the rivalry against Missouri doesn't matter, where it matters equally to both sides. Well, I mean, and I, I, I definitely can kind of see what you're saying in terms of, you know, Bill Self kind of, I mean, obviously he controls the schedule for the most part. And so if they decided, yeah, they want to play Missouri, I don't think anyone on the Kansas side would necessarily have a problem with it. What, what I'm not so sure about, and, 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 and my guess is, or at least from everything that I've kind of read about it, is that this was brought on by the release of the Big 12 SEC Challenge matchups and the fact that Missouri is not playing Kansas there. Um, but, but, I mean, really, you know, back in, I believe it was 2012, Bill Self was interviewed as saying, you know, that uh, obviously we've lost something not having that rivalry, um, but it's not necessarily, you know, in our best interest at this point to do it. And then later he said, you know, if someone comes to us and says, you know, we need to go ahead and schedule them, like you, you need to schedule them. Then and, and made them do it, that he would say, okay, well, I guess we would play them. I guess what, what I'm not sure of is how does the SEC determine which teams are actually participating in the challenge? Because obviously not all 14 can. And if the SEC and the Big 12 got together and decided, hey, we want Missouri and Kansas to play each other, I mean, I, I have to imagine based off of what he said that he's not going to tell them absolutely not. You know, if, if they tell him, if his conference and tells him he has to schedule that game, from everything he said, he's, he's going to go ahead and schedule the game. So, I mean, what, what is it about that that makes you think that that's what's going on here as opposed to just the SEC didn't put Missouri forward this year? And I guess I would say is in this situation, I don't think Bill Self is telling the truth, but I think that we've seen in college athletics that college coaches have the greatest level of power of anything. They're the one constant in college athletics. I mean, Devontae Graham's going to move on at some point. Frank Mason has moved on. We can go through the list. The coaches are the constant. If you think about how college basketball is marketed, they don't market like the NBA does. The NBA markets LeBron against Steph Curry. In college basketball, they market coach versus coach. But I think that Bill Self, and it's not even just Bill Self. I think John Calipari has the same thing. If that's not what he wants to do, they're not doing it. So I don't think that the commissioner of the SEC can go to him and say, all right, it's time for you to play Missouri. Well, then call their bluff and say, all right, we're not participating in the SEC championship. I don't want to play, I don't want to play Missouri. That, yeah, he'll, he'll play Missouri if he's mandated that he has to play him. I mean, he's, he's probably said the same thing about Wichita State. He's not going to play Wichita State unless he's forced to play Wichita State in the NCAA tournament. So the only way that I think they're playing Missouri is Missouri needs to be a five-feed in the tournament. 
they got to be a four seed in the tournament, or they got to be like KU's a two seed and then Missouri's a seven seed. And they have to win that first game within their force to plan. But I think, I think that most people on the Kansas side are fine with it. But how most things go, if, if the coach isn't happy, then nobody's happy. And Bill Self has now controlled it, that I'm not playing Missouri under any circumstances because they left. And then the argument, we can talk about this in so many different ways. This argument that it doesn't benefit Kansas to do it, well, Kansas is Kansas. Like, they've reached this level that only three schools are really at, that it doesn't benefit Kansas to play Nebraska, but they're playing in home and home. It doesn't benefit Kansas to play Texas A&M. Like, what, how does that help the brand? Like, how does that help them? It doesn't help them that if we're just going to make this argument that if it's only beneficial for Kansas, then Kansas, Kansas would just play Kentucky, they play UCLA, they play Indiana in the non-con, and then they would just wait till Big 12 play. But we know that's not what happens. So this argument that, all right, we'll play them when it benefits us, what needs to happen for Missouri? They have to win the SEC. They have to win the national championship. they got to get to a Final Four. Like, what level have we created for Missouri for it to be worth Kansas's time? Well, but, I mean, if you think about the way that a college coach builds a schedule, you know, he's looking at trying to find out, getting good experiences for his team against quality competition, looking at different situations to try to find ways to develop his team over the course of the year. And, I mean, obviously with, with a lot of good recruits coming in for Missouri, you could make an argument that maybe they would have that this year. Um, but in the past, I mean, for the, for the past few years, Missouri and basketball have kind of been an afterthought. So, I, I mean, I, I can understand the argument of saying, well, it doesn't really help Kansas, you know, build anything. It's not a, a solid – you know, power five conference opponent that's going to give you that good experience that you want. Really the only thing, the only selling point I think of the game, at least in the last few years would be, well, it's a big emotional rivalry that we could, you know, jumpstart again. And I don't know though, if you're building a program and worried about developing your program to be consistently competitive in the NCAA tournament, if jumping into an emotional rivalry actually helps with that. I mean, I, I, I definitely can see from the fan perspective how, you know, we want to see this game. We want to see something going on here to kind of bring this back so we can have that again. Um, but, I mean, I, I, I can at least intellectualize the argument that playing doesn't actually help the Kansas program or help an individual Kansas team prepare to get to the goals that they want for the year. Um, I mean, is, do, you, do you think that that is a legitimate argument or is, or is, is there something I'm missing there? No, that part, I think, under Kim Anderson is a fair argument. If you're going to say that Missouri was so bad under Kim Anderson that it's not worth Kansas' time to play an eight-win Missouri team, but all right, I'll live with that. I think sometimes you have to play games that excite your fan base. And I think what frustrates me about the college basketball season is I would assume all three of us love and care about college basketball. Well, everybody acknowledges that the college basketball regular season is an afterthought, and let's fast forward to March. But then when it's like, all right, let's have Kansas play Wichita State. Well, that's not in Kansas' best interest. All right, let's have them play Missouri. Well, then what games do we want in the non-con that are exciting, that would get people excited? And that would be a game, regardless of how good or bad Missouri is, that Kansas fans would circle and they would be excited about, far more excited than seeing Kansas play Siena or some of the other non-conference games that they have. So, again, if you want to argue that playing a Kim Anderson-led team isn't in Kansas' best interest, all right, I'll listen to that. But – There's one thing that I know about this Missouri team. I don't know how good they're going to be. I think they have a chance to be really good. I know they're not going to be bad this year, that this year was the perfect year. Kansas hosts a Big 12 SEC championship game, so Missouri would be playing at Allen Fieldhouse, where you have a 99% chance of winning that game just based on historical context. Michael Porter has a chance to be Kevin Durant. 
he has a chance this season to do what Kevin Durant did. And we all remember what happened the last time Kevin Durant was in Allen Fieldhouse. Like, why would you not want that game? What's a more exciting game for both sides? What gets Kansas ready? The environment of playing a game like Missouri. I mean, that'd be the hottest ticket since the last Missouri game in Allen Fieldhouse. I just think it's short-sighted to, I think, hold on to a grudge from five years ago that now they seem to have gotten past with everybody else. They got over it with Colorado. They got over it with Texas A&M. They got over it with Nebraska. All those teams did the exact same thing that Missouri did, but only one team is now penalized for leaving the conference. Well, and I so well, let me jump in here, Andy. So there, there are actually a lot of Kansas fans that want to play Missouri. I mean, there's there's several regular commenters on our site that you know want this to happen. Uh, I think there's still more people who don't want it for, and you know, maybe Bill Self is the ringleader of that, and and that's fine. You know that that he he's the face of the program, like you said. Uh, you know, and it's it's all the same. If, if I remember right, you said that you know there's seven or eight reasons that the the KU fans just spout over and over. You know, they're not in the same conference, and uh, you, you know the the Missouri left after the saying they were committed and all this other stuff, right? But if part of the Missouri part of being a Missouri fan, if part of Missouri is the rivalry with Kansas, then I mean. To me, it goes back to why did the administration over there chase the dollars and go to the SEC? It just doesn't make sense. They had to have known that this would be part of the fallout of that type of a move. And I think that Bill Self is absolutely stoking the rivalry and keeping it hot by doing what he's doing and, you know, what what you said, ignoring Missouri. He hasn't convinced KU fans that there's no rivalry. I mean, he's not, you know, he's not dumb. He knows the rivalry is still there. It's still active. It's still breathing. It's still living. The question is, is there a rivalry? The question is, how important is the rivalry now? And uh, I mean, that's something that, I mean, the closer you are to Kansas City, I think the hotter it is, but the, the farther away you get from it, uh, you know, I, you know, like Andy lives in Florida. He doesn't interact with Missouri fans. I, I don't know how he feels about playing Missouri. Uh, you know, I, I, that, that'd be something for him to answer. And, and yeah, yeah, no, I mean, to kind of jump into that point. I mean, yeah, I, you know, being down here in Florida, I'm not, I'm not confronted with Missouri fans a lot. And so while I am dealing with the SEC, obviously Missouri isn't really a household name in the SEC when I'm down here with, you know, Florida and Alabama and everyone, uh, you know, close here. So I do think that the, that the, the, the Kansas fans that aren't based in Kansas city, you know, you have a much larger concentration of Missouri fans that are in Missouri that are constantly interacting with Kansas fans. than you do have Kansas fans um, you know, that are also elsewhere. And so I think that's kind of part of it too, is that it's not that the rivalry isn't there anymore. It's that there are enough people outside of dealing with the rivalry day to day and dealing with kind of the, the animosity there that they can take a step back and look and think about it in terms of what does it look like for the program as opposed to, you know, oh, I really want to have something to brag about against these, these neighbors and friends that are all MU fans. Yeah, and I guess two parts. I can answer both parts of it. I would say the second part, that seems very similar to the rivalry that Missouri has with Illinois. I live in Kansas City, so I don't know I don't know the back and forth and the bad blood and the rivalry that people have with Missouri and Illinois. Like I understand the bragging rights game. It's something that I look forward to every year. But on a day to day basis I don't have that interaction and back and forth with Illinois fans. So that part of the rivalry. But I understand how important the game is and that it's a fun thing to do in the in the early part of the season in the non-con people care about it and they get jacked up for it but I make that same argument for Kansas fans in Missouri you might not live in the Kansas City area that is kind of the hub for all of this with MUKU and K-State but you understand the historical context and you know the rivalry 
and you know how much it means to all sides. And I guess to the uh, to the SEC point, sometimes I think like people make this argument like like Mike Alden came to Missouri fans and just took this straw poll and asked what did we wanted to do. No, I think we understand that it was forces a lot bigger than that. Or now we saying that Missouri probably went back on its word and acted committed, but was always kind of courting the Big Ten and the SEC. I absolutely think that happened. But if we go back to the time, it was a lot of uncertainty. You guys remember, it was every day on the internet we were hearing rumors about all teams, about Texas, about Oklahoma, about Missouri. But I think in the end, Missouri just, Missouri had to take a life raft that at that time, it didn't look good for anybody in the in 12. And you always knew that you were always going to be stable. You were always going to be good in the SEC. And the SEC doesn't have grain of rice. If you want to leave the SEC, you can leave at any point. But why would anyone leave the conference? But I think Missouri just had to take the very safe route that you had to sacrifice some things. I always say, I only miss being in the, I only miss being in the Big 12 one, one week a year. Big 12 tournament. Because then it's like Missouri that is kind of, not that based in Kansas City, but there's a lot of Missouri fans in Kansas City. You're left out of this just basketball palooza. That it does make me sad. But overall, I think that Missouri did the best thing for them. And football wise, I love being in the conference. And basketball wise, it sucks. I don't I don't care about Mississippi State. I don't like watching Missouri play Georgia on a Tuesday night on SEC network. But that was the trade that Missouri had to make to be in a stable conference back at a time when everything seemed very uncertain and unstable. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the only the only kind of argument against that, and, and, and obviously I don't necessarily begrudge Missouri looking for the stability, um, you know, kind of the argument there and, and, and kind of to your point earlier about, well, why is Missouri the only one that's being punished? I mean, if we remember back to that time frame, we'd, we had kind of gotten to the point where, yeah, it, was, it wasn't necessarily looking like it was going to be a super stable conference, but the Big 12 had gotten to the point where they were going to be okay even after Texas A&M left. Um, you know, there was already talk about TCU or Louisville or West Virginia or somebody to come in and kind of reset us at 10. And then all of a sudden, Missouri went ahead and made the jump and joined Texas A&M. I believe it was like two weeks later. So at that point, everything had kind of settled. It looked like we were going to have a, a, a stable nine that we could add one more to. Um, and then Missouri went ahead and left. And so, I mean, I can understand why there's still some hard feelings in terms of, of the conference thing. Um, but, but, I mean, you're right. I, I, I do think at this point it's kind of, um, you know, a little petty, I think, at this point to deal with the, the, the conference issue. I mean, the, the Big 12 is probably, or at least what we've talked about on, on our side, is that, you know, we're kind of all coming to the realization the Big 12 is probably going to be done once the grant of rights is over, um, whether that means they all get poached and go to a bunch of different places or – if something, you know, some other big shakeup happens, it's not looking very good for the Big 12 just because of the way the conference expansion is going. Um, and, and maybe, you know, this actually kind of feeds into one of our, our, our Twitter questions that, that we'll get to in just a few minutes here. Um, but, you know, maybe that's part of the issue is that, that Kansas is still in kind of the Big 12 and we're dealing with kind of the fallout of that, un, that, that instability. And maybe that's part of what's still going on at that point. No, I mean, that's obviously part of it. And I think, at least from the Missouri side, I think what always frustrates Missouri fans is, and I remember I talked to Chuck Ninus about this, when all this stuff had happened, I was like, do you want me to believe that the Big 12 is going to fall apart because of Missouri? This school in Columbia that doesn't win championships, they are the reason that this billion-dollar entity is going to crumble. And I kind of feel like it was this somewhat propaganda piece from the teams in the Big 12 to just blame Missouri for all the problems when I think a lot of Missouri fans and other fans in the Big 12 think a lot of the problems were Texas 
And at the time, it was always like Texas with its own conference, and then the other nine teams were just a part of it. And I think part of the frustration for Missouri fans is Texas has just always been treated so differently. They have their own network. They're such a great athletic department that there was a conference that everybody at least – it gives off the – illusion of being equal. Now, Alabama football and Vanderbilt football are not on the same level, but there's no Alabama network. There's an SEC network that showcases everybody, and everybody has an equal opportunity. But I think the frustration from the Missouri side is that's not how it was in the Big 12, and it's never going to be that way with Texas and Oklahoma, and that frustration, I think, just kind of boiled over and led Missouri to make a lot of different decisions. I think if you go back and you ask Missouri, was it a good move? I think it's pretty split. I don't think the move to the SEC has really affected the sports side so much. I mean, in basketball, they're just terrible. So it's not like they would have been better in the Big 12 in basketball with Ken Anderson than they were in the terrible SEC. But overall, again, I think Missouri picked stability over tradition. That at the time, it, it felt like the right thing to do in a time that was just very uncertain. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that that's a fair point. Um, you know, I, I would, I could potentially make the argument that Missouri getting away from its traditional recruiting uh, areas kind of led to the downfall that they saw um, in basketball. Um, but, but I mean, that's you know, that's probably something you'd have to, you know, just the the nature of basketball recruiting. I think that that's highly debatable. Um, you know, if if they had stayed in the Big Twelve, maybe they could have kind of kept recruiting and actually building something um, rather than trying to restart over in the SEC. And, and kind of dealing with the with the conference over there, but yeah, I mean, I, I definitely see the arguments for why Missouri went. I just I also see the arguments for why Kansas, you know, at this point is still saying, well, you know, this isn't really the right time to restart it. And and and, and again, like I said, I'm all for them deciding. Well, let's let's go ahead and get this started up. My only concern is, and and I guess part of the reason I want the rivalry to come back is because I want to get back to where we were. I don't know how likely that is when there's not you know conference. Um, implications on the line. There's not, you know, that, that home and away series so we can see it in both locations every year. There's just a lot, I think, that would be missing from rebooting the robbery at this point. That I mean, it may be better to have some sort of, I guess, semi-watered-down version of the rivalry. It's still better than no rivalry or, or no, no games. Um, but, you know, the, the way I kind of got to thinking about it, and, and bear with me on this, uh, I guess, convoluted metaphor, it, it's almost like um, – you know, Missouri and Kansas are the Bradys from the Brady Bunch, okay? And, and, and the kids are, are the fans. You have, you have the fans of Kansas on one side, the fans of Missouri on their side, and we're kind of all brought together by the conference. Um, and it was great while I was there, but all of a sudden, you know, one of them decides, well, you know, I, I, I'm, not, I'm not so sure about this anymore. I, I kind of want to go off and see what's, the, what's over here, um, you know, kind of outside the marriage at this point. Um, which kind of causes a lot of problems in trying to go back um, to where we were at that point. I mean, I can kind of see that, that and, and of course, this all sounded better in my head before I started talking about it. Um, <laughs> but, but basically, I think the idea here is, you know, we're going to have those, those fans that are kind of loyal to each side, and, and obviously one of those sides is, doesn't, doesn't necessarily see the advantage of trying to go back to where we were at because we know we can never actually get back to that point. And I think that what's so, so enticing about it was that we could get back to that point at some point. I just don't know if that's possible anymore. Yeah, and I, I guess from the conference standpoint, you're right. They're never going to be in the same conference. They're never going to be fighting for the same thing. But Kansas wins its conference anyway. So, like, it's not like, man, Missouri's had a lot of chances to win the Big 12. Now they've had their opportunities, but Kansas won their conference 13 years in a row. 
that when I watch college basketball and I see Kentucky and Louisville play every single year and I see how passionate fans are about it, that doesn't appear to be a rivalry that's hurt that much by them not being in the same conference. It's a fun college basketball game that one day a year everybody circles and everybody gets excited for that you have a perfect hub for it, Sprint Center. You know you fill it out. You know it would be electric. The buzz would be there. Now, 80% of the time, Kansas is going to have a much better team than Missouri, but I guess that's the core of the argument. This is one of those years that I think everyone would be extremely curious of what's going to happen. I think Kansas is better than Missouri this year. I think they beat Missouri this year. But the fun thing about sports is I don't know if they beat Missouri. Maybe Michael Porter and all the freshmen are a lot better than I think they're going to be. And this December, they beat Kansas at Sprint Center. It sure be fun to know that I think sports is about competition and it's about finding out who the best team is. And eventually you have to play those teams on the court. That I think that's the frustrating part that we'll never get to know. And we'll have to just play these hypothetical games all the time. And again, I just go back to my original point. I just want to know what the bar is for KU fans to think that Missouri has done enough. Do they have to be good for the next five years with Cotton's of March? Do they have to go to a Final Four? Because what I think will happen is, let's say hypothetically, this year's Missouri team goes to the Final Four. Next year, they say, all right, let's play Kansas. Then KU fans will just say, oh, you got lucky with Michael Porter. Now your team's not going to be that good this year. Well, then, then what do we do? Then, like, what are we talking about? Then There's nothing Missouri can do to then play Kansas again. That I, if anything, I just want a detailed checklist and an outline all right, Missouri, if you do these seven objectives, we'll play you again in basketball. Because I think that's what's best for everybody. I think that everybody would be excited for the game. It'd be the most anticipated game on Kansas' schedule. And everybody would be excited about it, and everybody would make a lot of money about it. And we know one thing about college athletics. They're always interested in making as much money as possible. Well, and here's the problem with that, though, is that you're you're trying to apply subjectivity to something that's – or I'm sorry, object. What's the word I'm looking for? Subjectivity to something subjective, like a, a rivalry, doesn't make sense. Like you can't put a checklist on a rivalry. Uh, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of emotions involved here, and a lot of it stemming from the split of Missouri moving, which we've already discussed, and that's what we have to get over. I think at least that's what the Kansas administration needs to get over. That's what the uh, I think majority of Kansas fans need to get over. Maybe I'm wrong on that, but. Uh, I still think a majority of Kansas fans, uh, you know, don't have any interest in, in this. You know, they see it as, you know, quote-unquote helping Missouri or, or however you want to phrase it. But you know, you're, you're trying to apply <laughs> rules and reason to something that is emotional. And, and I, think that's, I think that's the main problem here. Well, here, and yeah, let me, let's, let's actually jump over to the, uh, the one Twitter question we did have that I think is very applicable here. It's from, well, hold, on, hold on, really quick. One thing I'll add to that is Kansas fans can say they don't want to play Missouri. If they announced they were playing Missouri this year and the game would be at Allen Fieldhouse, it'd be $500 to get into the gym. That's not all, like, that's not all MU fans buying the tickets. That's KU fans spending that much money to watch Kansas play Missouri. So that part, you can say that you don't care about it, but supply and demand normally tells the story in this. You remember a couple of years ago whenever Kansas played Oklahoma State and Marcus Smart was coming back? That was a big deal. Everybody was interested in it, and Kansas fans wanted to see them beat Oklahoma State. This would be that times 50. This would be Kansas trying to knock off the greatest recruit to ever go to Missouri. There would be incredible interest there. So I guess of anything, at least this season, the interest is on one side. And, again, Kansas fans can say, we don't care, we don't care. This year, Bill Self said, we want to play Missouri. They play Missouri at home. 
and you'd have to you'd have to mortgage your home to buy a ticket to go to that game. <laughs> right, but again, you're you know you're, you're you have to specify this year. You know, last year, what would the ticket have run you? You know, seventy, eighty bucks to get in to see an eight win Missouri team lose by thirty. I mean. Well, and, and, and I think that's kind of part of it. If, if Bill Self had come into this year and had said before they announced the matchup, you know what, I think this is a good year for us to play Missouri. And, and, and he had said that, I think everybody would have been on board with it. I don't think there would have been a problem. But, you know, I think it kind of almost has to be in that format where it's, you know, he can say, well, you know, this, is, this was the matchup that was given to us by the Big 12 and the SEC. Um, because – you know, especially if it wasn't a year like this. I mean, it's really hard when you're building a schedule because you have to build it multiple years in advance to project how good a recruiting class the opponent's going to have. And so really, I mean, you know, when you're trying to build a schedule and you're trying to build a strong non-conference schedule, you have to kind of look at the track record of the team over the last few years, how they've been doing in recruiting. Is that going to kind of flow into what you think they're, they're going to be? And we've seen all kinds of times where, you know, a, a coach will schedule a non-conference and think it's going to be a strong non-conference, and then the three or four key matchups are, are against teams that just crumbled the, the year before, and then they have a horrible team that year. And then we go into that, you know, talking about how well they didn't play anybody in the non-conference. But when they scheduled it, it looked like they were going to be playing plenty of people in the non-conference. And so I think that sort of thing it makes it kind of hard when you're talking about this sort of challenge where the matchups are set up so close to when the actual team is going to play. I think that's a little bit easier to kind of look for that good matchup, um, you know, where you, you, you're going to have two good teams. It's going to be a matchup that's going to be worth talking about, and you're going to get that kind of, um, you know, that, that big publicity and the big draw of everybody wanting to go to it. Uh, I really think that and, – and honestly, I think that's kind of why I think that's when KU and Missouri are finally going to, going to play each other is in some sort of challenge like this or in the postseason, if they both make it that far. I just I, – I don't, I don't know that, that Bill Self would ever want to kind of spend the, um, you know, his, his, I guess, political capital to go ahead and jump back into the rivalry if he can't guarantee it's going to be a game that's worth, you know, jumping into that for. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, cool. absolutely. I mean, the point, the point you made happened to Wichita State this year. Like, everyone says Wichita State didn't play anybody this year. And you can make some arguments that their non-con schedule could have been a little bit tougher or they could have did better than non-con. I mean, they played at Oklahoma. They played at a team that went to the Final Four the year before. So, I mean, Wichita State got kind of screwed by that. So I think we all know the limitations of when you schedule games and then things change and they're not as good. But I think what the Big 12 SEC challenge is, what you alluded to, is it allows you to play a game. It allows you to schedule the game in May that you know is going to be good. And I think it's frustrating just as a college basketball thing. Even remove myself from the Missouri what games are there are you excited about? I mean, am I excited about Texas Tech, South Carolina? I don't care about that game. Like, there's only two good games in the Big 12 SEC Challenge this year. Uh, the game, Kentucky, the Kentucky-West uh, Virginia game. I think they're going to win. And Baylor, right. Florida. And, and Baylor, Florida. The rest of them are terrible games. I guess you could say Texas A&M, Kansas is a good game. But Kansas is at home, and they're going to win by 15 points in that game. They beat everybody by 15 points at Allen Fieldhouse. That it's just it's just two decent games that you're like, and all right, like no one no one's thrilled about that game, and then it's then it's just a bunch of junk that no one cares about. But at least there would be one crown jewel of the Big Twelve SEC championship game, a game that we all want to see happen, and then at that time it'd be in January when when Missouri would kind of get over, I think, a little bit of the freshman hump that's going to happen in the beginning of the season, and it would just be an incredibly fun thing to see. 
Yeah, I mean, yeah, the, the entire Big 12 SEC challenge is, is junk. I mean, you, you nailed it. They did a terrible job matching teams up this year. And none of the matchups make sense, you know. And we can talk about, you know, K-State, South Carolina, or whatever you want to talk about. But I guess my question is, is are the ratings really going to be that different? Like, when was the last time you sat down and were excited to watch Duke and Carolina or USC, UCLA, or Kentucky and Louisville? Like, if you're not involved, you're, you're probably not going to watch. No, I mean, that part's fair. I mean, I'm probably different when it comes to college basketball, but I, I watch those kind of matchups. Like, I, I watched in, uh, Kentucky play UCLA this year. I was excited to, to see the difference. Like, a lot of times when Kansas plays Kentucky, it's at a neutral site, which is still fun to see them play, but part of college basketball is the pageantry of being at home. So I like the Big 12 SEC Challenge. I'm happy that they do it, that I like keeping that component of it uh, involved in it. So, again, I'm, I'm probably – I'm on the very 1% end of college basketball fan that just watches random good games. But you're right. When it comes to college basketball, they're not in the regular season. And my argument would just be is because college basketball avoids the big game, which is weird to me because college football doesn't really do that as much. Alabama plays teams in the non-con because they know you can lose one game in the non-con and maybe two and still play for the championship. No for playing good teams. You should, you should try to build the hardest schedule possible. Like, what's the penalty of it if you're Kansas? Play, you're always going to win your conference. You're always going to get a one or a two seed, and everything's going to work out. Like, the college basketball schedule, it, it, it actually rewards you for playing good teams and playing harder teams because of RPI and all that stuff, and there's very little downside to doing it in college basketball. Yeah, and I think, honestly, I think that's why most people – not only because Kansas typically has a better basketball program than a football program, but, you know, I mean, I just kind of personally, at least I like basketball better for that. It's not so much of a, you know, one loss and all of a sudden you're, you're just kind of playing for a random bowl game at the end of the year. Um, you know, as long as you're a, a fairly decent team, you're going to have a shot at the championship still, um, which, which I think is definitely one of the better things about basketball. Um, but I mean, yeah, I, I I think, honestly, I think the big beef that we should have this year is more with the Big 12 and the SEC for their matchups as opposed to Kansas, um, you know, or Bill Self really convincing people that Missouri is not a rivalry. If, if Missouri had been in the Big 12 SEC challenge this year um, and matched up against somebody else, then, then I think maybe there would be reason to kind of say, well, why couldn't we have shifted them over and made this happen? Um, but, you know, I think part of that, too, is I have no clue how the SEC determines which teams are actually going to participate. In, in, in any particular way. At first, I thought it was the bottom four from the previous year that were left out. But, you know, I found multiple times where, you know, there was, I believe it was uh, South Carolina one year had finished third in the SEC and then was left out the, the next year. And, and I may be wrong on the team, but there doesn't seem to be any rhyme or reason as to which teams are included. And so, you know, at this point, I, I think I think most of the blame for us not having this matchup really lies with the SEC in that, because I'm assuming that they're the ones that put forward which teams are going to participate. And then they, you know, in conjunction with the Big 12, schedule them out. Um, so, I mean, I think really our big beef is, you know, if the SEC had put Missouri in there and then they didn't get matched up with Kansas for whatever reason, then maybe we would have a reason to say, well, you know, this is Kansas not wanting to play them. But the fact that they're not even in there at all, you know, when they have this huge recruiting class coming in and they had already had it by the time they set the matchups, I think that the, that the blame falls more on the SEC for not making sure that this number one or this really high recruiting class is going to get showcased in the challenge as opposed to any other and, or any particular team themselves being the problem. Yeah, that part is certainly part of it. 
I think the frustration would definitely be lessened if Missouri was playing somebody in this. Like I was, I was pretty sure that Missouri was going to be in it. I didn't think they were going to play Kansas, but Missouri should be playing Texas or Oklahoma because of Trey Young or Kansas State. Missouri should be in it. It's kind of crazy to think that Missouri could finish second in the SEC, but then not be included in the Big 12 SEC championship. That, that, that I agree with you. There's no rhyme or reason for what happened here. Like I, I tend to think that ESPN gets a lot of these TV things right. Why they wouldn't want to put Michael Porter on television as much as possible doesn't make a lot of sense to me. It would seem like you would want to do that, especially since last year Markel Fultz was the number one player, but he played in the Pac-12 in, in Washington. So you had to stay up until midnight to see him play, which just doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Now you don't have to do that. The number one player, one of the most talked about players in college basketball, plays in the, uh, in the central time zone. So I would put Michael Porter on television as much as possible. He's going to be one of the biggest attractions in college basketball. So the SEC 100% dropped the ball and not having Missouri play anybody else. Give me, give me TCU. Give me anybody in this thing. Right. <laughs> All right, well, hey, I think we'll kind of finish up here with, uh, again, this uh, Twitter question that maybe maybe could potentially lead us to another avenue for us to get this matchup that we're all kind of talking about. Uh, Chaz, Chaz Clardy uh, from Twitter here said, if KU changes conferences when the Big 12 grant ends, do you see self and KU fans remain unwilling to play MU? And I'll kind of expand that more into just, I mean, do we think that that's finally what it's going to take for the game to actually happen outside of something like the postseason? Uh, can you say it one more time? The phone was kind of cutting out. Oh, yeah, yeah, sorry. So uh, the, the, the question from Twitter was, if KU changes conferences when, Big 12, when, when the Big 12 brand of rights ends, do you see Self and KU fans remaining unwilling to play MU? And I'll kind of, kind of expand that out to, is, is that what it's going to take for us to finally see this matchup is when – KU changes conferences and there's no longer the, you know, the, the whole Big 12 thing kind of standing in the way. I sure hope so. I would, I would hope that if KU switches conferences in the next 10 years, we could just hit a reset on everything. But I, I think as long as Kansas is in the Big 12, the only way they play Missouri is if they are in the Maui Invitational are one of those tournaments together where Kansas can't avoid playing Missouri because they just have to because Missouri won or, you know, did what they had to do or in the NCAA tournament. I think Kansas will have to be forced to play Missouri. I don't think that Bill Self is just going to wake up one day and say, I want to play Missouri. Like, I remember we had Shane Zinger on uh, our show last November. And the last question we asked him was about Missouri. And uh, Danny asked him, he said, what would, like, he said, what would you do if Bill Self said, I want to play Missouri? And Shane kind of laughed and said, I know that wouldn't happen. <laughs> and that, that, like, his body language, his demeanor told me everything I need to know, that the decision to not play Missouri is not a group thing. It's a Bill thing. That Bill says, yeah, we're not doing that. And that's fine. That's his choice to do that. I mean, heck, when you've been as successful as he has and you've been to two Final Fours and you got a national championship and you won your conference 13 years, like you can kind of swing your manhood a little bit and tell people what you are and are not going to do. And I think like the joke is about self is like self to me has this ability to just do whatever he wants. Uh, I know kind of seeing Thursday and I joke with him. I said, Bill could tell you it was Thursday on Wednesday and he could tell you that enough that you believe it. But I think that Bill could do anything he wants tomorrow. If they said that, uh, that McCarthy hall wasn't good enough and they just wanted a new building because they had to keep up with Kentucky you guys would have that building in two weeks. Like, Bill would just get on the phone and call somebody and 
it saves them money almost instantly to do it. Like Bill has that kind of pool of pull over there. Yeah, I think I think that's that's probably fair. So. Well, then, I guess in that case, what I'm going to do what we uh, actually do real quick. Every, every single time we have someone on that is not from the site, uh, we just have a quick, a quick lightning round of questions. And there's a few on here. I, I know you're a big NBA guy. Um, we actually we were kind of, kind of talking a little bit about potentially doing this tomorrow, but with, with game one of the finals on tomorrow, obviously that, 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 was, that wasn't going to happen. So. Um, so just a couple quick questions here. First of all, um, who, who do you have in the finals this year? That's a good question. I think that Golden State is better than Cleveland, but it's hard for me to bet against LeBron knowing what's on the line for LeBron. I think this is LeBron's only chance to pass Michael Jordan. He's never going to get the 6-0 record in the finals that Jordan has. That's the only argument that LeBron can make at the end of it is, I came back from 3-1, and I beat a team that was crafted specifically to beat me. Kevin Durant joined Golden State one reason. It was to beat LeBron James. Because he couldn't do it with Seth or uh, with, with uh, Russell Westbrook in Oklahoma, that he had to join a team that gave him the best opportunity to do it. If LeBron beats that team, LeBron's going to have a real strong argument. I know that. You know that. LeBron knows that. So it is hard for me to get against LeBron in those things. I will never. So give me cash and six. You still there? Yeah, I'm here. Okay, I, I lost it for just a second, but I think that kind of feeds into what my next question was going to be. It, it, it sounds like you kind of agree that at, at this point, well, greatest of all time, LeBron, is he there yet, or, or does he still have a ways to go, and it, or a little way to go at least? And it sounds like you kind of just answered that, that, that he thinks he needs this, and, uh, and, and, and it sounds like you think that he needs it this year to kind of have that clear-cut argument of, of him as the greatest at this point. No, absolutely. I mean, I, like – LeBron's great, and I think when LeBron's done, there's no doubt he's going to at least be included in the top five and probably the top three. But in my opinion, the Jordan argument ends if he loses this series. Now, there's nothing wrong with being the second-graded basketball player of all time. But next year, if we're still arguing that LeBron's better than Jordan, we're just wasting our time. He's not. There's nothing wrong with that. Nobody's better than Michael Jordan. But the only way – in that, and I think it'd be a legitimate discussion, and they have to win this series. That gets them to four in eight appearances. He's not done going to the finals. LeBron doesn't appear to be slowing down. In so LeBron might have ten finals appearances and five rings and, what, three MVPs? And he might be the all-time leading scorer in basketball by the time he's done? LeBron's going to have a pretty strong argument. Yeah, I think that's, that's, that, that's fair. Alright, two more for you real quick. First of all, um, well, actually, here, we'll just, we'll just go ahead and end on this one. This is the one question I think we've asked every single guest we've had in the last two years. Um, is a hot dog a sandwich? No, I don't, think, uh, I don't think a hot dog is a sandwich. I think the hot dog is its own entity. Like, I think a hot dog is kind of like a, uh, a Philly cheesesteak. That's not a hot – like, that's not a sandwich. It's in its own category. So I would say that a hot dog is special. I can definitely get behind that. All right. Well, thanks again, CDOT, for joining us tonight. Um, I really appreciate it. Hopefully we can get you back on here at some point, maybe closer to football season. We can talk a little bit of KU and MU football. Yeah, absolutely. I'm probably one of the few people that are actually optimistic about Kansas football. I I try to make it a point to go to one of the three local school games. I try to go to one K-State game, one KU game, and one MU game. I probably go to about two or three MU games. I'm a fan. But I try to go to all of them. So, I mean, 
I've been to a Kansas game like the last seven years. And I think this Kansas team has a chance to be good. Now, relatively speaking, by Kansas standards, right? But this but but this Kansas team has a chance to be competitive in all its games and probably get the four wins. Yeah, I think that that's a pretty fair assessment. So we'll yeah we'll definitely break that down uh, at some point here in the next couple months. So all right, thanks again for joining me tonight, and uh, have a good one. Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. All right, and hey. Uh, for those of you uh, that are listening, thanks thanks for joining us tonight. Uh, we will uh, see you next time, probably be recording again sometime early next week. Thanks again for joining us, and have a good night. Sports Social Podcast Network. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.